Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salamun ala ibadihi alladhina astafa amma ba'd. Those who are present here, alhamdulillah, before we begin, they ended up hearing this announcement that unfortunately I will have to correct some parts of it. May Allah reward the Maulana for his enthusiasm and his, and his love. Those who are online, they, they may not know what I'm talking about, so they can ignore the few, one or two comments in the beginning. So, this is true that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this Mubarak silsila, in this golden chain of studying and learning from our teachers and our mashayikh, there is an unparalleled love and bond that is created between the students and the teachers. And in this silsila, as we will see very shortly, it goes back all the way to Rasulullah. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam And this is uh, the excuse That I can come up with to, for, uh, to forgive him for his remarks That otherwise would be Considered absolutely ridiculous <laughs> Some of them uh, With respect to myself in particular Not with respect to Bukhari Bukhari of course is The Asahul Qutubi Ba'da Kitab Allah So those who have Not had the opportunity they may consider it very strange that how can there be so much love and how can there be so much attachment and the reason uh, I can understand it with respect to the students the love they have for sinful teachers like myself is because of the love that we have for our teachers and the love our teachers they showed us that they had with their teachers and going back to Rasulullah Wasallam. so this is one of the unique uh, MashaAllah characteristics of this silsila Silsila of ilm, chain of knowledge And we always have to warn ourselves That we should never let any of these things Get to our minds, get to our hearts And we have to actively work against it Just a few days ago, maybe yesterday or so, I cannot recall, the students can remind. I was telling them in the first year that ilm and the acquisition of ilm by itself, it is of course matloob, it is an objective, it is something ma'mur bihi that Allah has commanded us to acquire ilm. To a certain extent, it's fardain. Talab al ilmi faridatun ala kulli muslimin wa muslima, every male and female. Beyond that is Farad Kifaya in every community. To gain deeper knowledge, depth in the knowledge is Farad Kifaya. In every community, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says there needs to be dedicated individuals who acquire the depth of knowledge. So it's either Farad Ain or Farad Kifaya. So it's, not, it's not less than that. It never goes down to. It never goes down to wajib or mustahab. Imma fardu aynin wa imma fardu kifaya. Subhanallah. So, it's not something we're discouraging people from. How can we do that? However, at the same time, uh, there is you know, desirable effects of ilm and there are undesirable effects of ilm. So like when we take medication, there is the desirable effect 
Like if you take a heavy dose of painkillers, inshallah it will help relieve the pain temporarily. After a very painful surgery, for example. But it could be very, very harsh on your stomach. Right? So that's the, the side effect, the undesirable side effect that comes with it. So, ilm itself, which is so desirable, uh, the side effect of it is you won't remain at the same level, rather, it will create kibber. And it will create arrogance. It will create a, within a person, he will develop the elitist you know, mentality. Because you will have that which others may not have. So, does that mean, wow, I don't want to have arrogance? So, rather I remain ignorant. It's better, I mean, remain ignorant and humble? No, that's not the solution. It's, there's no way out. We still have to acquire ilm. So, what it means is that along with the ilm, we have to actively work on removing this kibber from the heart in the tazkiyah. So there's no option, it has to go hand in hand. The effort of tazkiyah has to go along with the effort of ilm. So if a person starts out as jahil, he's at a default, then if he acquires ilm without tazkiyah, he's actually gone negative. He's in a worse situation. And if a person says, wow, I don't want to be in that worse situation, I'll remain. Like if he's at zero, he goes down to minus one. But this, going back to the, the Jummah talk, and then if he uh, wants to, no, he doesn't want to remain minus one, nor does he want to remain at zero. He wants to remain plus one. So he has to make efforts at removing that kibber. That is a side effect. So the doctor might give extra extreme uh, high dosage of the ibuprofen, and along with that will say, hey, take this Zantac. You know, to protect the stomach. And this is how our elders were, this is how our mashayikh were, that they always negated any of such attributes and titles. How ilm creates a kibar is to the point that we have example of Sulaiman alayhi salam, such a, mashallah, mighty king, and Rasul of Allah, king, such a king, Allah Ta'ala says that he said, that oh Allah, grant me such a kingdom that was uh, not given to anyone. Grant me such a kingdom that will never be given to anyone before or after. So the kings in the past and today in the future, they rule over human beings. He ruled over human beings and jinn and even animals. So we will not go into a detailed description of Sulaiman salam, but we know that just as a reminder. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in Surah An-Naml that one time he took the roll call and attendance uh, of his troops. So when he took the roll call, is you know the different divisions are they present, the different departments. So from the military intelligence unit. The espionage unit were the, the unit that would go and spy on the enemy and come back with the report. Uh, there was an absence. Without, you know, away without leave. Without permission, absence. So he was a king. So he speaks Uslubul Hakim like a king. He was very, very upset.
and he expresses anger in very explicit words that are would shake anyone up he said mali ala ara alhudhud am kana min alghaibin why is it i don't see the hudhud here the hudhud is from the the spy for the army it goes it gets what the birds eye view it's, it's it's the drone it's the spy plane so mali ala ara alhudhud why i don't have i don't see the hudhud bird here am kana min alghaibin he's dare to be absent and then he says imagine sulaiman alayhi salam imagine a little bird he says la u'adhibannahu 'adhaban shadida i will torment this bird 'adhaban <laughs> shadida very severe torment this 'adhab if someone is making tilawat he might think oh this is 'adhaban alim of akhirah no this is not 'adhaban alim of allah and jahannam this is sulaiman alayhi salam aw la adhbahannahu or i will slaughter it 100% hand slaughtered What is 100%? Is it 90 how can it be 90% halal, 95% halal, 100% halal? It's either halal or haram. Anyway, he says la adhbahannahu I will slaughter it. Oh la ya'tiyanni bi sultanin mubin or he must provide for me some clear evidence an acceptable excuse for being late. So the students here who think you know we're hardcore on attendance look at Sulaiman al So this bird is in big trouble, very big trouble. فَمَكَثَ غَيْرَ بَعِيدٍ It waited a little while past, and then the bird shows up. Now you would ex- expect the bird to be, you know, kissing his feet and asking for apology, and saying, please forgive me, O Sulaiman a.s. But when the bird comes, he says, with so much jur'ah, so much courage, so bold, and says فَقَالَ أَحَدْتُ بِمَا لَمْ تُحِتْ بِهِ وَجِئْتُكَ مِنْ سَبَئٍ بِنَبَئٍ يَقِينٍ إِنِّي وَجَدْتُمْ رَأَةً تَمْلِكُهُمْ وَأُوْتِيَتْ مِنْ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ وَلَهَا عَرْشٌ عَظِيمٍ etc etc إلى آخره so the bird comes and very boldly starts its story it doesn't start off by seeking apology and please forgive me and do not slaughter me <laughs> do not kill me the bird comes out and comes out, uh, up and starts with saying Look, O Sulaiman alayhi salam, I have got that knowledge and information, breaking news that you don't know about. And he doesn't just say, I have new knowledge. He says, بِمَا لَمْ تُحِدْ بِي I have the knowledge of that which you don't have. And I'm coming with the report from the kingdom of Saba, بِنَبَئِنْ يَقِينَ With 100%. It is not hearsay, it's something which is eyewitness. because the the bird saw it spied on the whole kingdom of saba and bilqis and her throne and her kingdom and he describes her kingdom and their situation inni wajadtu mara'atan i found a woman tamlikum who is the queen there utiyat min kulli shay she has all the trappings of power palaces and armies walaha arshun azim unique unrivaled crown uh, throne he, she mentions about the throne but this uh, bird is not worried about the dunya it's just describing it but the bird has a concern for the akhirah as well he says that ya'buduna they are worshiping the shams min dunillah besides allah so we need to give them da'wa and that story continues the point uh, here is that how did uh, she have so much courage 
this little bird, it is because of knowledge. So knowledge gives ulu. And this was the downfall of Iblis. So the bottom line is that we have to always make nafi of these things. And this is how we learned uh, from our elders. They continued to, they always did that. And it wasn't something rasman, you know, that was just a formality. Uh, but it was haqiqatan. Miyaji Pul Muhammad, he's near 100 years of age. Uh, one of the very elders uh, from Mewat who spent time with Mona Ilyas Rahmatullah who passed away in 1942. Imagine, so in the 1930s he spent time with him. So he himself told us when we spent time with him in 2002 uh, that of a story of Mona Ilyas, Mona Ilyas Khandalwi Rahmatullah in the effort of da'wah known as Hazaji Awal. So he met, he was in his company in the 30s and 40s. Imagine, 1930s. And he said that one time someone brought uh, a tiger skin. So this is perhaps before they became endangered species. And poaching became an illegal crime. The Bengal tiger was roaming freely in the forests and jungles of India. So the hunter, he hunted a tiger down and he brought a tiger skin, so tiger fur and to Mona Ilyas. And he said that this is a gift for you so that you can spread it out and you can sit and do your studies and, and when you're reading it will be so uh, nice and comfortable and, and you can pray your salah on it. <laughs> so uh, imagine the strength that comes in you and the feeling and the power of sitting on a tiger skin. I'm not encouraging that, it's illegal now. So, uh, he, when he, he, he accepted it, but then, he went to Mufti Kifayatullah Tehlawi, who is the author of Kifayatul Mufti, and starting from Ta'limul Islam, one book. Anyway, he was the Sadr Mufti, the head Mufti of the undivided subcontinent. It was all one country, before the British divided it up in 1947. The students, if they do not know that. Elders, of course, know this. So this is before 47. So it was one united country. From Kabul to Colombo, from Karachi to Dhaka, one country. So he uh, was a undiv- uh, he was a grand mufti, undivided India. So he went to him, Hadhrat Mufti Kifayatullah Sahib, and then he took that tiger skin, and then he said those words, which I heard from the Sheikh, who heard directly from him, and he said. I will repeat his exact words and then translate it. He said, Hazrat Mufti Sahib, Ye aapi ki amanat hai, Mujhe koi alim samaj kar de gaya. Uh, so he said, Subhanallah, he said, This actually is your amana, Mufti Sahib. Meaning, it was, uh, it, it doesn't belong to me, it was like, entrusted with me to give it to you. Now, why, why am I giving it to you? And how did I end up getting it? He said, Mujhe koi alim kar de gaya. Right? He said, somebody mistakenly thought I was an alim and they gave it to me. Mistakenly considered me to be an alim, gave it to me. So who's the true alim? You're the true alim. So that's why I'm I'm presenting it to you. Mujhe koi alim kar de gaya. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the haqiqa of that. That um, this is, you know. You know, there when you uh, there's like proper templates sometimes 
for different things that a person has to write. So when you're writing a fatwa, when you're being taught the template of how to write a fatwa, there's adab, ul, uh, there's adab of istifta too, how you're supposed to ask a question. There are etiquettes for that. Uh, and then there's etiquettes of how to give the jawab, the fatwa, how to write the fatwa, ifta and istifta. So ifta is writing the fatwa. So part of the template, part of the template itself is at the end you say that in kana sawabu min Allah. If this answer is correct, anything that is said, written that is correct, فَمِنْ Allah, then this is from Allah. وَإِنْ كَانَ الْخَطَى If there's any mistake, فَمِنْ نِي وَمِنْ نَفْسِي وَمِنْ الشَّيْطَانِ الْمَارِدِ Any mistake in this fatwa is from me, my nafs, and from shaitan. So we attribute all the khair to Allah, we attribute the shar to ourselves. So we are, um, another thing is that uh, this is a, a not, uh, among the different mistakes was that this is not at the level of Dorat al-Hadith by any means. Bec- this is just a few reflections and khawatir uh, about the hadith that we will share. And um, some things that inshallah we can take home. Many of the discussions that happen in Dorat al-Hadith are, uh, are of a very academic nature, uh, which may not be, you know, easily appreciated by the general audience and that's one reason why and another reason is that I'm not even capable of that right you don't have that uh, knowledge to share even in fact when I was when we teach the Bukhari to the students in the on the in the seminary side then I told the students that you know we hear about the Ashratu the signs of the day of judgment so one of the greatest signs of the Day of Judgment is right in front of you happening now. They say, what is going on? So I say that Rasulullah When the matter is entrusted to the one who does not deserve it. Like so-and-so becomes president, for example. He doesn't deserve to be president. The, the worst and despicable of the people will become the leader of the people. So he said, When the matter is entrusted to the one who does not deserve it, then wait for the day of judgment to strike. So we're not supposed to be here sitting. And we are sitting here. This is one of the signs of the day of judgment right now. Subhanallah. And if people think again, you know, this sounds like so much hyperbole and exaggeration. It is not. You know why? Because we are living in such a culture. Part of the whole culture is about promoting yourself. It's all about promoting yourself, putting yourself out there. You know, pushing your resume, pushing your profile on, on you know, whatever it is. SubhanAllah. On LinkedIn, for example. You know, uh, so... Uh, and, you know, whether it's sports, for example. I'm better than you. And... Uh, I will defeat you, I will destroy you. There was one example of this, but anyway, there are so many uh, things, you know, this is, this is what the whole culture is about. I'm better, better than you. Bigger, uh, better than you. So, our deen teaches us, uh, as I said, humbleness. And Sahih Bukhari, the reason that there is so much heba of this book is because in our tradition, in the alim tradition, the ilm tradition, this is uh, uh, the, uh, the pinnacle. Because you're studying, now it's been reduced to seven years. In the past nine years, 12 years of study, 
And first year students, second year students, they cannot dream of sitting in a Bukhari class. Third year, fourth year, fifth year, sixth year. Finally, they get to, you know, twelfth year or ninth year. And then there is a Bukhari class. And then the teacher of Sahih Bukhari would be the greatest muhaddith, scholar of hadith. And master of all the funun, all the different art, uh, sciences. Those that are ulum aliyah and aliyah. Those that are the tools, whether it's balagha, whether it's mantiq, whether it's, uh, of course, nahu sarf Arabic by default. All the different ulum that are tools and the ulum aliyah. Those that are the higher subjects, sciences. So from hadith, you know, whether it's mustalah, terminology, ilm rijal the science of the narrators, and jarah wa ta'adil to know which are the stronger narrators and which are the weaker narrators and then the matan the text itself how to understand that to do uh, istimbath and derive the rulings from that right um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says la'alimahu alladheena yastanbitoonahum minhum if you have any issue and need guidance then go see what Allah and His Rasul and the Ulil Amr and the ulama and, the, and those who have been gifted the knowledge, go and seek guidance from them. Um, and the answer, that will, uh, who will provide you the answer? Even from amongst the ulama, الَّذِينَ يَسْتَنْبِطُونَهُمْ مِنْهُمْ This min تَبْعِيدِيَا Some of them who, have, who are at an exceptional level of ishtihad, they will be able to provide you the answer. Not everyone. So istinbat and ishtihad and deriving the rulings directly from the Quran and the hadith from the primary text in the nusus. It's a very uh, specialized science that few are granted. And this is explained from the Quran itself. Ta'ifatun minhum. One group will study the deen at, in, uh, at depth. And amongst them, minhum, some of them will be granted the level of istinbat. People misquote this ayah from Surah Al-Qamar. وَلَقَدْ يَسَّرْنَا الْقُرْآنِ Allah has made the Quran easy. Allah made the Quran easy. Why do you say it's difficult? You just said it's so difficult and it requires so much study. Allah said it's easy. But when Allah Ta'ala said it's easy, He qualified it. For what? He didn't say, وَلَقَدْ يَسَّرْنَا الْقُرْآنَ الْإِسْتِنْبَاتِ He didn't say, we have made the Quran easy to derive rulings. He said, وَلَقَدْ يَسَّرْنَا الْقُرْآنَ لِلذِّكْرِ So this لِذِّكْرِ is قَيْدْ اِحْتِرَازِ نَا الْإِتِفَاقِ Meaning it is, a, it is a clause, it is a qualifying condition and that is uh, excluding other aspects. It's not just incidental, by the way. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَقَدْ يَسَّرْنَا الْقُرْآنِ If you have made the Qur'an easy, it's, it's easy for lidhikr, to take heed. And that tafkir from the Qur'an, بِعَلَىٰ إِلَّا تَفْكِرْ بِأَيَّامِ اللَّهِ تَفْكِرْ بِالْمَوْتِ وَبِمَا بَعْدَ الْمَوْتِ Taking advice from the Qur'an, بِعَلَىٰ إِلَّا By seeing His signs. When Allah ta'ala speaks about His signs, Look and ponder and reflect over your own condition. Do you not see my greatness? Subhanallah. So everyone at their own individual level, depending on how much anatomy and physiology they know, they will be able to look and ponder among themselves. The one who has, mashallah, has a deep understanding of the, of the body because he has studied it, subhanallah, then they will even have more appreciation potentially for fi and fasikum when they look and ponder and reflect over their body because they see the signs of Allah. And tathkir bi ayamillah, studying the, the days, uh, meaning the history, seeing the, reading the stories in the Quran about the nations of the past and, their, and the struggles of the Anbiya. And bil mawt wa bima ba'd al This is the most arresting one. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the day of judgment, 
اذا الشمس كورت and اذا زلزلت الارض زلزالها اذا السماء فطرت he's talking about the day of judgment this uh, can shake up our hearts so walaqad yassalna alquran lidhikr fahal min mudakir so is anyone going to take advice from the quran allah is asking the question but istinbat in driving rulings this is a specialized science so the pinnacle of this it reaches in the in the seventh year in the Bukhari class in the Shaykh al-Hadith it would be the most senior and the one who has mastery of all the ulum and uh, unfortunately the time has come where we are doing it let us inshallah try to dive in and do a little bit today as I said this is just some reflections inshallah now the beginning of it is uh, we wanted to talk about the fact that this is a book of hadith uh, I will try my best to skip introduction of ulum al-hadith because ulum al-hadith would require its own program and own class and alhamdulillah in the tafim uh, class that we have on the weekends there is a class on ulum al-hadith and we have muhaddithin here sitting amongst us that uh, I have told them so many times don't sit here with me in my class my teachers but they refuse to listen so some of them these ulama muhaddithun are sitting here these are the teachers who have the ilm so I tell the students, you know, the, the teachers here, staff, muhaqqiqoon, mudaqqiqoon. They have, Allah has granted the knowledge. Uh, and hakadha, you know, they'll say, hakadha qara'atu, hakadha qara'atu fil kutubi. This is what I read in the books. When I come, I'll just say, hakadha allamatni al-haya. This is what I've learned in my life. So I may have more experience in life than some of them, that's the maximum. But the knowledge of the books they have. So they are muhaddithoon here, mashallah, who have takhassus fil hadith. Who have specialization in hadith. And Alhamdulillah, after this whole seven-year alim program, we talked about Bukhari being the pinnacle, then there is a tahassus fil hadith, program that is offered here. You may not be aware of it, never heard of it. That's postgraduate program in ulum al-hadith, two-year program. And to my knowledge, the only one in, in America. There are other darlums where they have up to Dora hadith, but a full-fledged tahassus fil hadith program, postgraduate hadith program, I, I am not aware of. They may be. Uh, Adam al-ilm is not a dalil of Adam al-wujud. Absence of knowing something is not an evidence of absence of existence. Could exist, but I am not aware of. But, alhamdulillah, that is, that is uh, present here amongst us. So the teachers of that, they, they have knowledge of hadith. So there is a whole class just on introduction to ulum al-hadith, which we can benefit from. So I will not do that. But just a few points is that we have this al-isnadu min ad-deen, sanad, is the chain of narrators. This is something very unique and unrivaled that is uh, a part of our legacy that we should be very, very proud of, very, very happy. Uh, have fakhar um, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has granted us this blessing. As um, it is mentioned by Abdullah bin Mubarak rahimahullah, Amir al-Mu'minina fil hadith, that al-isnadu min ad-deen, walawla al-isnadu, laqala man sha'a, ma sha'a. That Isnad and having mentioning this narration, uh, the chain of narrators, this is a part of our deen. And if it wasn't for Isnad, then anyone could say whatever they want, and they would say that this is what? Uh, this is what the deen is. But now, if anyone mentions anything of the deen, we will ask him, What is your sanad? Do you have a sanad? Have you studied by Mashayah? And what, and what is your link to Rasulullah? So there is nothing like this. Nothing remotely like this in any other religion, in any other society, in any other culture, in any other civilization. Anything like the Isnad system that we have. 
So, subhanAllah, um, we have to study it to begin to truly appreciate it. This, this branch of Ulum al-Hadith, the Ilm al-Rijal, how all the biographies of these narrators have been recorded all these centuries. If you just see the names, you're going to be like, are these people, you know, you, you really know who these people are? We just don't know their names. Alhamdulillah, we know when they were born and when they passed away and who their teachers were and who their students were and what were their attributes and where they lived and where they traveled. All of that is recorded. And if you go and visit the library and if you take a tour, you can see those books. And if you ask the students, they will show you. You know, So you have all of these books where the narrators are mentioned from Alif to Ya. Just see, like, Tahdib al-Kamal fi asma rijal Starting with the encyclopedias of Sahaba, the first tabaqa. So, you have Al-Isti'ab lil-Ashab of Ibn Abdul Bar, or you have Al-Isaba fi ma'at al-Sahaba, Ibn Hajar al-Sqalani, or Ust al-Ghaba, you know, all of these books, Ust al-Ghaba, the lions of the jungle. This is a, mashallah, the, the names of the Sahaba. Then after them, the Tabi'un, Tabar Tabi'un. So th- these books are mentioning their biographies. Sometimes geographically, per city, sometimes per era, sometimes by fiqh. You know, Tabaqat, Tabaqat of not Ibn Sa'ad, the Sahaba. Afterwards, you have Tabaqat of you know, Hanafiyyah, Tabaqat Shafi'iyyah, Tabaqat Malikiyyah, all the different scholars within the school of thought. And you have. Um, those of, by quality, those narrators that are narrate, uh, that their hadith are found in the sihasit, the six books only. Those the narrators that are not found in the six books, etc., etc. So Alhamdulillah, this is something that we should appreciate. So we have a sanad, and you have a sanad now, inshaAllah, to Imam Bukhari, rahmatullah and from Imam Bukhari, rahmatullah to Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So our Ustad Hadathana Al-Mufti Rada Al-Haq So we know who he is Alhamdulillah Matta'ana Allahu bi'alumihi wa'alumihim ameen Madallahu dhillahu alina And then as I said we know all of these people We as in the Ummah and the Ulama they know all of the individuals Qala Hadathana Al-Shaykh Ameen Gul Qala Hadathana Al-Shaykh Nur Al-Hasan This Hadathana Hadathana is something that you hear in the hadith class all the time. Every hadith that is narrated, we say, qala haddathana, qala haddathana, qala haddathana. And this is what um, Imam Muhammad ibn Idris, otherwise known as Imam Ush, Shafi'i, rahimullah, mentioned, kullu al-ulumi siwa al-Qur'ani mashqalatun illa al-haditha wa illa al-fiqha fi al-dini al-ilmu ma qala fihi haddathana wa ma siwa thalika waswasu shayatini. So he said the true ilm all the different uh, areas of study that people are engaged in. Besides, number one, the Quran is just mashgala, something that people are spending their time. And, and if it's not with the correct intention, waste of time. Illa al-hadith, except for hadith, or illa al-fiqh of dini and fiqh of deen. Al-ilmu ma qala fi haddathana. The true ilm is the one in which you hear the repeated phrase, haddathana, haddathana, haddathana. And beyond that, waswasu shayatini are the whisperings of shaitan. So, Qala Haddathana Shaykh Amin Gul, Qala Haddathana Shaykh Nur al Hassan, Qala Haddathana Shaykh Al Qari Abdul Rahman Al Fani Fati, Qala Haddathana Shah Muhammad Ishaq, Qala Haddathana Shah Abdul Aziz, the eldest son, 
The reason he's highlighting in blue, I mean, we could talk about everyone. You can make them all blue and red and green and highlight each one. But this one is highlighted particularly because he is the Muslim al Hind. All of the uloom of a hadith, majority of them, uh, of all the silsilas and chains of hadith and uloom of deen, uh, particularly hadith, they, in the subcontinent, they go back to him. He brought the hadith. Going to Medina now. We move from the subcontinent to Medina. Ibrahim al Kurdi. Ahmed al Khushashi. Ahmed ibn Abdul Quddus al Shanawi. Shamsuddin Muhammad bin Ahmed bin Muhammad al Ramadi. Ahmed Zakaria bin Muhammad Abu Yusa al Ansari. Very amazing scholar. This one is blue. Amiru Mu'minina fil Hadith al Hafiz Ahmed bin Ali ibn Hajar Asqalani. We'll be hearing his name in Bukhari class all the time because he is the author of the Fathul Bari, the most uh, celebrated commentary amongst uh, dozens and dozens of commentaries of Imam Bukhari Sahih. He's known as Fathul Bari and he is the author of that. Qala haddathana Shaykh Ibrahim bin Ahmad al-Tanuhi Qala haddathana Shaykh Abu Abbas Ahmad bin Abi Talib al-Hajjar قال حدثنا شيخ حسين بن أبي بكر المبارك الزبيدي قال حدثنا شيخ أبو الوقت عبد الأول من عيسى السجزي قال حدثنا شيخ أبو الحسن عبد الرحمن بن محمد المظفر الداودي قال حدثنا شيخ أبو محمد عبد الله بن أحمد بن حمويس السرخسي قال حدثنا شيخ أبو عبد الله محمد بن يوسف بن مطر الفربري This Farabri is the student Imam Bukhari and Imam Bukhari dictated the Sahih Bukhari many times in his life The Nuskha meaning the copy that we are using is the copy of the uh, that was written in the presence of Imam Bukhari by Al-Farabri. So he dictates the book, then he dictates it again and again and again, multiple times. And this is the nuskha, meaning the copy of Al-Farabri. Qala haddathana al-shaykh Abu Abdullah Muhammad ibn Ismail al-Bukhari al-Yamani al-Jurfi. This is our sahib al-Sahih, the compiler of Sahih Bukhari. Now, from Imam Bukhari to Rasulullah you'll say, hey, wait a second, doesn't this end with Rasulullah? Yes, it does. But the Sanad from Imam Bukhari to Rasulullah is mentioned in the beginning of each hadith. That is the difference between primary sources of hadith and secondary sources. The primary sources are such that between the compiler and Rasulullah for every single hadith, there is an independent Sanad. Um, and then, so, uh, there will be, like the early works, if like the Sahaba, Abdullah ibn Amr ibn Al-As, would be that, I heard this directly from Rasulullah and he wrote it down. And then you have the Tabi'un, they compiled. Ibn Shahabuddin Zuhri, in Medina, Amr ibn Abdul Aziz, gave him the task. So it would be, you know, the maximum is one chain between him and Rasulullah and Sahabi. Then you have third generation, fourth generation. Then you have the Musannafat literature, Musannaf Abdul Razak and Musannaf Ibn Abi Sheba, etc. Then further you move down, then you have these Siha uh, Sitta, Bukhari, Muslim, Tirmidhi, Nasai, Ibn Majah, Abu Dawud, these books. So they are mentioning the chain between them and Rasulullah wasallam. Sometimes it's a Thulathi chain, three narrators, sometimes Rubai, four narrators, Humasi, five narrators. And they continue with this. Then we have the whole genre of the secondary Sources and the secondary sources, very most popular one that perhaps you can uh, relate to. I don't want to overburden with so many names that we never heard of. I'm sure I hope many of us must have heard of Riyadh al Salihin, Imam Nawawi's celebrated work, and this is a 
sign of his ikhlas Allah has granted it such qubuliyah and acceptance throughout the world Arab and Ajam Riyadus Salihin so in the Riyadus Salihin if you look between Imam Nabi Rahmatullah all the way to Rasulullah in every hadith they won't be an independent chain but he knows the chain but he didn't include it so what did he do he, he has a shortcut he'll mention the hadith and then he'll say Rahu al-Bukhari or he'll say Rahu Muslim Rahu Tirmidhi Abu Dawud whatever so he mentions that they narrated it so between the compiler of those respective works in Rasulullah you will find the chain so now uh, the hadith is we are going to look at the chain between Imam Bukhari and Rasulullah Haddathana al-Humaydiyu so who is speaking now? Imam Bukhari is speaking he says he, narr- uh, he heard from al-Humaydi Abdullah ibn Zubair qala haddathana Sufyan qala haddathana Yahya ibn Sa'id al-Ansariyu qala akhbarani Muhammad ibn Ibrahim al-Taymiyu annahu sami'a so these are all the teachers Muhammad ibn Ibrahim al-Taymiyu what did he say? He narrated He heard Alqama bin Waqqas al-Layfi narrating to him Yaqulu who was saying Sami'itu I heard Umar bin al-Khattab radiallahu anhu ala al-minbar I heard Umar bin al-Khattab radiallahu anhu narrating And when did I hear him saying this? Ala al-minbari When he was sitting on the minbar So Umar bin al-Khattab radiallahu anhu is giving the khutbah Giving the dars, wa'ad, nasiha, advice Addressing the people and he's sitting on the member in Masjid al-Nabawi and he's saying to the people you know, we'll say, oh we read it in Bukhari we read it here, he's saying, Sami'atu Rasulullah I heard Rasulullah so what Mubarak eyes they were that, be, that were granted the honor of witnessing that noble countenance and what Mubarak ears they were who heard the words directly from Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Abu Bakr and Umar are Rafiqahu fil Hayat, Wazirahu fil Hayat, or Rafiqahu fil Mamat. The Wazirs that are on his right and left during his life, his partners, and also his neighbors in death. They're buried next to him in the Rawdah. So, Qala Sami'atu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said, I heard Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saying, Yaqul, what did he hear him saying? Innama al A'malu bin Niyat. Verily, the actions are based upon intentions. Now the thing is, we are really, really, really cutting it short. Because one of the, the whole fiqhul Bukhari, the, the greatest part of Bukhari is in his chapter headings. Which I, I just skipped that whole part, the chapter heading. And linking it with the chapter heading, Tarjamatul Bab. We're just going into the hadith right now. We did mention a little bit about the Sanat, like barely anything about the Sanat, but we read through it. For the, name, for the source of Barakah. May Allah grant us the ulum of all of these great scholars. But he said, Verily the actions are based upon intentions. Everyone will receive that which he intended. If someone makes hijrah, a great act of ibadah, hijrah, leaving one's homeland. The hijrah is leaving your family sometimes, if they're not making hijrah with you, but definitely leaving your neighborhood, your community. Many times in, the, in this, when the hijrah happened, they were leaving their life savings behind. All of the money they had accumulated in their entire life, leaving everything behind. This hijrah. But if it is ila dunya yusibuha, to acquire dunya, aw ila imra'atin yankiha, to get married to a woman, then fa hijratuhu ila ma Then his hijrah will not be for Allah and his Rasul, 
rather his hijrah would be for that which he actually migrated for, for the dunya. He will lose the thawab. So this is for the rest of us, the hadith translation. Ibn Khattab narrates again, I heard Rasulullah saying, actions are based upon intentions. Every person will get that what he intended. Whoever immigrated for worldly benefits or for a woman to marry, his immigration was for what he immigrated for. This is not only the first hadith of Sahih Bukhari, first hadith and many books of hadith. Many of, uh, you know, when you want to learn the 40 hadith of Rasulullah narrated by many scholars, like Imam Nawi Rahmatullah again, he's Arba'in. There's so many Arba'inat, many, many scholars wrote 40 books, uh, for, uh, books on 40 hadith. Like when you have categorization of books of hadith, there's categorization of hadith, there's categorization of books of hadith. So you have like a jami' is a type of book where it has eight or in it, or you have a musnad. Or you have a Sunan. A Sunan is a type of book, like Sunan Nasai, Sunan Darami. The four Sunan, of course, is Sunan Tirmidhi, Nasai, Sunan Abu Dawud, and Ibn Majah. Four out of the six. But besides that, the other Sunan. So Sunan is a type of book. When the scholar says, it's in the Fulan Sunan, it means that this is such a book of hadith in which the chapters are arranged based on fiqh. So you'll start with Kitab Tahara, then Salat, Zakat, Som, Hajj, all the way. So it's like a handbook for the faqih, the mujtahid. Because if he wants to look for rulings, it's easy. Uh, user-friendly. He, he looks in the particular chapter. You know, you say user-friendly, you can only appreciate user-friendly if you know what's user-difficult. If there's a difficult interface, then you'll appreciate the easy interface. This is intuitive, because the other one is counterintuitive. So what would be difficult, for example, is uh, musnad. Musnad is going to be very difficult if you're trying to figure, uh, look for a particular topic. Then you're going to say, why are they making difficult books? Because they're looking at a different perspective. So if you have Musnad Imam Ahmad and Hanbal, or in a Musnad, they're looking at the narrator. So the hadith are classified, the chapters are not chapter of Tahara, chapter of Salah, chapter of Zakah. It's chapter of the narrator, chapter of Abu Huraira, chapter of Abdullah bin Abbas, chapter of Anas bin Malik, chapter of Aisha Raghlana. These are the Muqsirun, right? They have a lot of narrations. Chapter of Abu Huraira, of course, number one. So what does that mean? That means this chapter has all the hadith narrated by Abu Huraira. Irrespective of the matan, of the text. So it could be from Tahara, it could be from Mirath, it could be from Akhlaq, it could be from Ahkam, it could be from Aqaid, it could be from anywhere. Imagine how difficult that would be, right? If you're just looking at the text and you want to know the meaning of the hadith, the whole chapter is... Abu Huraira has been around, well actually he was only around two and a half years and he learned a lot from the other Sahaba. He's one of those who came late and surpassed everyone. But you have... um, Anas bin Malik was around for 10 years with Rasulullah So how many things is he going to hear? He's going to hear a lot of things because he's with Nabi Wasallam at home, Hadar and Safar. He's traveling with him. He's a khadim. When Nabi Wasallam came to Medina, his mother, Umm Salaam, brought him as a young 10-year-old boy. said, Ya Rasulullah, accept him in your khidmah. So, you know, you have the difficult years, the teenage years. You know, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. 10 years from 10 till 20, the entire teenage years, where was he? Khadim of Rasulullah. And then when Nabi Wasallam left, then, you know, he got off duty, from that duty of khidmah. He was, and he was young, he would come in and out, in and out of the home, doing errands for the azwaj al-mutahharat, such that when the guests would come from outside, they would think he's a part of the family. Even though he's not even in Qurashi, he's not even remotely related, he's Ansari. <coughs> 
So if he's narrating, there's a chapter of Anas bin Malik, imagine how many different things are going to be in there. Right? And if it's based on the narrator, uh, the teacher, of the, one of the compiler of the book, his teachers. So Mu'jam. Mu'jam of Tabrani and all of that. So there are categories of different books of hadith. And one of the genres is, as I was mentioning, this is where I went off, is Arba'inat. Arba'inat are books of hadith in which 40 hadith are collected. 40 hadith together. Now why 40? Because Rasulullah gave a beautiful bashara and glad tidings. مَنْ حَفِظَ عَلَىٰ أُمَّتِي أَرْبَعِينَ حَدِيثًا فِي أَمْرِ دِينِهَا بَعَثَهُ اللَّهُ فَقِيهًا وَكُنْتُ لَهُ شَافِعًا وَمُشَفَعًا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ Whoever preserves for my ummah حَفِظَ عَلَىٰ أُمَّتِي Preserves for my ummah 40 hadith regarding the matter of deen أَرْبَعِينَ حَدِيثًا فِي أَمْرِ دِينِهَا بَعَثَهُ اللَّهُ فَقِيهًا Then Allah subhanahu and I will be interceding on his behalf on the day of judgment and my intercession will be accepted so this is the Arba'inat so many scholars read it now Imam Nawi when he, his, his Arba'in is the most famous one Arba'in and Nawiyah and he starts with this hadith too many scholars they start their books with this hadith and that is because the foundation of all of the A'mal is to have the correct intention as we will see. Now, a few points about the Sunnah today, and then we will end it, so that you know we do actually come back next time. Otherwise, enough of that. This guy doesn't stop. Uh, so we will. Uh, if you're getting scared, like what's going on? Is that we will? Let me let me show you. This is the ending. Background of the Hadith, Muhajir Maqais. We won't even get there. Let me just stop right here. Okay. So these few points. You saw that. That is the finish line. You're running the race, and you see the finish line. It's not too far. So the Sanad, this, the Sanad of the Hadith is classified as Gharib in Hadith terminology. This means there is only one person in each of the initial generations of transmission. The final Hadith in this book is also Gharib. So meaning that, you know, sometimes uh, not, there are different movements nowadays of rejection of Khabar al-Wahid. Khabar al-Wahid, meaning there are people, so they are enemies of Islam at different categories. So they're trying to eradicate Islam. This is a given fact. So they're a'da'ullah and a'da'udinillah. Now these enemies of Islam, they try to attack Islam in different ways. So uh, one way that they have always been trying is to uh, attack the, the book of Allah itself, the Quran. So they try to prove that it is, it is um, it's nisbah to Allah, attributed to Allah, or they don't even believe in Allah, so nisbah to Rasulullah is incorrect. So they come up with uh, so many different ways of trying to attack the Qur'an. But in the academic world, all of the objections of the Orientalists regarding the Qur'an have been completely, you know, they have been refuted. You know, as they say, al-jawab al-mufhim, like that would shut them up completely. They cannot question the Qur'an. And this is the promise of Allah. Inna nahnu nazalna dhikr. We have revealed this Qur'an as source of remembrance. Wa inna lahu lahafizun. We will protect it. So the Qur'an... Uh, its words are protected, its meanings are protected, the order of the surahs, the or, even the ayat, where the ayat numbers are going to be, ilm al-fawasil, ilm al it's protected, the tajweed, how it's going to be recited, it's protected. Even you know, the accent of the Qur'an is protected. The accent. All the other languages changed. The people how we speak today, they're not like how they speak. 
He used to speak in, you know, in the era of Shakespeare, for example. And the, you know, there's Middle English, Old English. So it's completely uh, changed. And, and even in a, within a time, there's an Eastern accent, Western accent, Scottish accent, and you know, Welsh accent, and Canadian accent, and Australian accent, South African accent. They're all speaking only one language, English, different accents. But the tajweed, what is the maqsad of tajweed? The objective of tajweed is to be able to recite the Qur'an كَمَا أُنزِلَ عَلَى الرَّسُولَ in exact same accent even, the lahan, the tone, as was recited by Rasulullah As was revealed upon Rasulullah Exact same tone the Sahaba recited. So, like they have, for example on YouTube you can search like earliest recording of the Qur'an. Like on some phonograph record, 1800s. It sounds exactly like someone reciting today. Same tone. This is naqlan an afwahil mashayikh. The whole qira is from mouth to ear. How the mashayikh would recite the Qur'an? That's how the student learned the tajweed. Not from some computer program. They learn it directly from the, uh, the mashayikh. And they learn from their mashayikh. So just like we have a sanad for hadith, we have of course sanad for Qur'an. So everything about the Qur'an is preserved and they were trying to attack it. Even the spelling, how you spell the words, it's protected of the Qur'an. So then... Um, then they said, okay, we give up on this one, so let us attack hadith. And the purpose for attacking hadith is that the hadith is the explanation of the Qur'an. Right? So, you will say, alright, fine, we'll keep the Qur'an, we'll say, but now we want to make the hadith. The hadith means you come up with such meanings of the Qur'anic ayah, which لَمْ نَسْمَعْ نَحْنُ وَلَا آبَاؤُنَا مِنْ قَبْلِ Neither we heard, nor our forefathers and scholars in the past ever heard, much less believed. So you want to come up with such completely wrong meanings. And how are you going to be able to do that? Even, despite saying, okay, fine, we follow the Qur'an, but let's come up with some wrong interpretations. This is possible because the, this is the nature of the Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يُضِلُّ بِهِ كَثِيرًا وَيَهْدِي بِهِ كَثِيرًا يُضِلُّ بِهِ Many people are misguided through the book. And many people are guided through the book. مَا يُضِلُّ بِهِ لِلْفَاسِقِينَ Those are the sinners, they are the ones who are going to be misguided. And misguidance is mentioned before guidance to highlight the fact that this is possible. Not because that is the purpose of the book, but rather it is possible. And you would not think it's possible, but it is possible. So they come up with such meanings that this is called tahrif. Like the scholars of the past of the Yahud did with the Torah and the Injil. So they're doing the same thing with the Quran. But the biggest roadblock that will prevent that from happening are the hadith of Rasulullah Because Because what, what is the hadith? Amongst many aspects of the hadith and roles of the hadith, one of the primary ones is لِتُبَيِّنَ لِلنَّاسِ مَا نُزِّلَ إِلَيْهِمْ It is your responsibility, O Rasulullah Wasallam, to elucidate, to, uh, uh, to do the explication, to do the tafsir, and explain to the people what has been revealed unto them. لِتُبَيِّنَ لِلنَّاسِ You give the bayan of the Qur'an. Right. Allah Ta'ala says to, uh, says, uh, informed Rasulullah in Surah Al-Qiyamah in the beginning when the revelation would be coming Rasulullah would be moving his lips very rapidly and he's trying very hard to memorize and catch everything just like you are so then he would say La Allah Ta'ala said in Surah Al-Qiyamah do not move your lips very rapidly to quickly memorize when Jibreel is revealing the Qur'an, don't stress. It is my responsibility, just calmly listen. It's going to be recorded in your heart. 
Jama'ahu, it is going to be compiled and recorded in your heart. Allah will make it easy for you. ثُمَّ إِنَّ عَلَيْنَا بَيَانَهُ Then I will also inspire you with the bayan of the Qur'an, the explanation of the Qur'an. And وَلِضَافَ يَقْدِذِ الْتَغَيْرُ فَبَيَانُ الْقُرْآنِ غَيْرُ الْقُرْآنِ So this, the bayan of the Qur'an, the explanation of the Qur'an is other than the Qur'an. What is that? That is the hadith. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the bayan of the Qur'an is other than the Qur'an, it has to be. Because if it's Qur'an, then it's not bayan of the Qur'an. Bayan al-Qur'an is something other than Qur'an, that's why it's called Bayan al-Qur'an. If it, if it, you know, because there are people who want to reject hadith, they say, no, you don't need hadith, the Qur'an itself explains the Qur'an. Yes, there is tafsir kalamillah bi kalamillah. The Qur'an, many places, explains the other ayats of the Qur'an. Sirat al-Ladina, Alam ta'alihim. Then Allah says, who are the muna'alihim? The path of those you have favored, O Allah. Ulaika al-Ladina an'amallahu alayhim min al-Nabiyyin wa siddiqeen wa shuhada wa salihin. So Allah describes who are the ones He has favored. So this is like Adwal Bayan fi tafsir al-Qur'an bil-Qur'an like Shanqit Rahmatullahi he has a whole tafsir how the ayat of the Qur'an explain the ayat of the Qur'an that's one genre of, of tafsir then you have tafsir of Kalamillah bi Kalamir Rasul where the words of Allah are explained by the words of Rasulullah like tafsir Tabari and tafsir Ibn Kathir and then you have tafsir of Kalamillah through language right uh, and through and uh, and understanding the Arabic, etc., etc. Et so there are different sources of tafsir. Now there are people who want to say we don't need the hadith at all. So we reply to them that look, Allah Taala revealed the Quran and He revealed the Bayan al Quran. The Bayan al Quran is ghayr al Quran, other than the Quran. That is the alum al Hadith. So that is why there are a lot of attacks on hadith. So the attacks of hadith they take different levels. One attack on the hadith is that you want to discredit the entire hadith literature. And then they, and that failed. So they keep on, okay fine, if that doesn't work, then let's start chipping away at it. So they said that, they will say that, okay, we will, how about we discredit, we will say, get rid of, uh, so you, you have all these books, all these years, there were, there's hadith sahih and there's hadith da'if. Right? Or the Sahih Lidati, Sahih Lighayri, Hassan Lidati, Hassan Lighayri. Then you have this Da'if. This is one of the hadith. Now, when we hear Da'if, those who have Urdu background, they say, I know Da'if. Da'if is a weak person. Qawi is a strong person. Da'if is a weak person. So we, we hear the word weak, and the first thing that comes to our mind is like weak as in, you know, it's not good. It has a very negative connotation. But hadithun Da'ifun, this is a terminology. This is something which is in a specific science, a specific term, and it has a specific definition. You don't just take the uh, literal translation of a term. You never do that. You don't take a literal translation of, uh, um, of a name, for example. So, like if I say, if I ask a student, translate this, Ja'a Mansurun. So if you translate, the one who is helped came. Right? That's the, his name. Mansur came. Why start translating his name, for God's sake? What's wrong with you? If I say Ja'a Nasir, then someone translate the one who Ja'a Nasirun, and he said the, the one who is helping came. No man, Nasir Bhai came. Right? So uh, brother Nasir came. So you don't you don't translate the name. So uh, and so uh, you don't translate terms. There's there's a mustalah, there's a you know istilah is a terminology. A, a particular group. This is the 
you know, ittifaq has a lughvi meaning and istilahi meaning. So the istilahi meaning, meaning, istilah terminology is ittifaq uqumin maqsus ala amrin maqsus. A specific group of people, they agree on a specific meaning for this term. That is istilah, terminology. So there's a terminology of muhaddithun, there's a terminology of fuqaha, there's a terminology of Usuliyun, terminology of mutakallimun, terminology even of like Nahiyun and Sarfiyun, terminology of every every group of scholars. And sometimes the same term could have different meanings, even with from one school to the other school of, of science. And that's why it's a principle la munaqashata fil istilah that there is no argumentation when it comes to terminology. So you have to define the term. If somebody says, uh, you know, uh, wallahi, I just I just uh, went to New York and Los Angeles and I'm back here in Lombard. He'll ask him, What's, what, what are you referring to? He says, I have named this one room in my house New York and the other new room is Los Angeles. So I went to one room, the other room, and I'm back here. Right? So you ask him, define which, which New York? You're talking about New York City in the state of New York on the eastern coast of the United States of America and Los Angeles in California on the western coast. And you're talking about this over here, Lombard, Illinois. You went to New York City. East Coast and Los Angeles West Coast and you're back in one minute. So Karamatul Awliya Haqqun. We learned in Aqid al So now you're officially Karama. No. So anyway, the thing is, what is the terminology, right? So Da'if is a particular terminology. So you have one attack of hadith is that let's get rid of all the so-called Da'if hadith which have a purpose in our deen. The Da'if hadith, believe it or not, have a purpose in our deen. Uh, you know, you, we will not be establishing halal and haram or an aqidah from the da'if hadith, but they will be used, for example, in fadail, in virtues of such actions which are already proven. They may be ma'lum to deen bi established practice of the deen. There is a reward and virtue for it from a da'if hadith. And all the scholars in the past were using the, uh, the da'if hadith to back up as fadail. And now you're rejecting all of them. So you have like. Abu Dawood, you'll say these are the Sahih Hadith of Abu Dawood, print them separately, and the Da'if Hadith, uh, Albani Rahimullah, printed them separately. So you're dividing up. This is Sahih Abu Dawood and Da'if Abu Dawood. This is Sahih of Tirmidhi and Da'if Tirmidhi. So let's, this has evil, Athra Sayyid means it's uh, harmful effects. We want to get rid of Da'if Hadith. Then, so you're chipping away at Hadith. Then another attack is uh, that let's get rid of Khabar Wahid. This is even a very, very major attack. You only want to believe in mutawatir. What is mutawatir? Mutawatir is if 10 sahaba narrate a hadith. Alal aqal minimum 10. I mean, if you're going to go into like these muhaddithun, they will go at like muqaddama min salah and all the different definitions of mutawatir. I'm just giving a basic definition of mutawatir. Is that, that there are 10 sahaba narrated if, and then you know, more than 10 in every generation. If there's 10 sahaba narrating hadith, then you're going to have definitely more than 10 tabirin. Why? Because how, do you, how did you get to the sahaba? Through the tabi'un. How do you get to the tabi'un? Through the tabi'un. Right? So the, the, short, uh, the least amount of narrators will be in which tabaqa? The first one. So it's possible you have like two sahaba here a hadith. But then each one had 20 students. So the next generation, how many will have? 40. And if they only have, you know, and then it multiplies. Next generation, you'll have more and more and more. So if you have 10 sahaba, that means every generation after that is going to be what? More than 10. So this is like توافقهم على الكذب You know, it's aqlan mahal Meaning they you, coincidentally all come up with a lie Logically it's impossible That's called 
tawatr. That coincidentally 10 people came up with the exact same lie. How does that happen? That's why when there's an investigation, what do the cops do? Separate them. At the airport, separate them. Right? So you put one guy in one cell, the other guy, the good cop and the bad cop. Why you separate them? Because you hear the story from this guy, then you go and hear the story from that guy. And then what happens? You compare the story. If the stories are all matching, that's, that's good. If there, there's some difference in the story, then there's some, some trouble. So all 10 people are saying the same thing. This is mutawatir. So it's very, very strong. This is qat'iyu thabut. The level of it is like yaqeen, meaning as if you're hearing directly from Rasulullah sallallahu uh, The level meaning with respect to being able to derive a ruling and having conviction that this is what Rasulullah said, it is as if you are sitting in front of Rasulullah and you hear it directly from him. You know how much yaqeen you should have that this is what he's saying? That level of yaqeen. So it's qat'iyu thabut. Just like the Quran, we know for certain this is the word of Allah. Likewise, we know for certain, لا There's no doubt in it. This is the words of Rasulullah. That's mutawatir. So they say only mutawatir hadith we accept. And besides mutawatir hadith, uh, if they are khabar wahid, meaning there's one or two narrators from sahaba, it's gharib. And, uh, and then the second generation, yeah, it increases afterwards. But there's only two sahaba narrated. Or one sahabi narrates it. We reject all those hadith. Now what is the percentage we're looking at? We end up rejecting these people, the vast majority of hadith, believe it or not, are khabar wahid. In Bukhari, we all know that Asahul Kutub, the most authentic book is Bukhari. In Bukhari, the first hadith is khabar wahid. And the final hadith is also khabar wahid. The final hadith is also khabar wahid. So, they are rejecting. Now this is coming from like, not only enemies of Islam and Orientalists, but recently, one of the, the princes, which I don't want to take his name. I don't want to be, <laughs> uh, necessarily take his name and be uh, cut up in pieces. Uh, so, subhanAllah, uh, one of our friends was a very you know, funny guy, uh, one of the alims, there was a, he took a picture of Saudi bakery. So he said, oh, we slice you up in the back for free. <laughs> Right. So anyway, uh, he said that. So he said that we, you know, we don't believe. The king is saying in in, uh, in an interview that we don't necessarily believe in khabar wahid anymore. And when I was hearing that, you know, these are some of these terms. You know, majority I'm assuming are hearing for the first time. What's khabar wahid? What's mutawatir? It's not like typical knowledge in the street. So it's very uh, interesting to hear a king talking about hadith terminology, but. That was a, that's the end of it, the interesting part. After that, it was absolutely saddening and horrifying that he's saying that we're going to reject Khabar Wahid, we're going to only believe in Mutawatir, the rest of the stuff can be interpreted. So this is one level of rejecting of hadith. So like over 90%, you're going to end up rejecting, and you're, and you're saying, we only believe in Mutawatir. So this is something to watch out for. We believe only, uh, we believe in Khabar Wahid, for sure. And um, Imam Bukhari brought this hadith in his jamia seven times, each time from a different teacher. Why is he bringing the same hadith seven times? We got it. You said it once, we got it. Why are you repeating it seven times? Because every time Imam Bukhari brings the same hadith, he's not just counting it that, oh, I mentioned it, it's over. The way Imam Bukhari works is that 
he is proving a particular point. So he has a chapter, the chapter to prove this point. Right? And that's why it is said, Fiqh al-Bukhari fi tarajibi. The fiqh in the genius of Imam Bukhari, you see it in his chapter headings. Because the rest of the words are whose words? Rasulullah's words. Where do you see Imam Bukhari speaking? Is he, you know, is he the author of Bukhari or is he a compiler? Is it a tasneef or a ta'leef? Did he compile the words of Rasulullah or he wrote his own book? Like the non-Muslims, they say, you know, the Prophet Muhammad authored the Qur'an. We say, na'udhu billah, he didn't author the Qur'an, it's the words of Allah that he, that he, uh, he narrated to us. Likewise, hadith book is the words of Rasulullah. When it comes to marfu hadith, then you have maqoof words of sahaba and maqtu words of tabi'un. But primarily words of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So, uh, uh, Imam Bukhari didn't come up with that. This was Inam al-Amalu Biniyat. Is that Imam Bukhari saying or Rasulullah? Rasulullah. But where is Imam Bukhari then? Imam Bukhari only place you see Imam Bukhari is in the chapter headings. So you'll say the chapter to prove the particular point that he's establishing. And then he mentioned the hadith afterward. Right? So, um, now, if there's a hadith, the same hadith, you could derive multiple points from it. So the same hadith will come in multiple different chapters. But every time he narrates the same hadith, he narrates it through different chains. Because he's such a genius when it comes to the chains. There's a whole story of how they try to confuse him, the scholars with 100 hadith mixing up the chains. He memorized all the wrong chains and he gave all the right chains. Right? So he came and there were a t- panel of 10 scholars. Each one presented 10 hadiths to Imam Bukhari. This young man, where he came from? You know, you're trying to become too famous? We put you in your place. So they mixed up the chains. 10 wrong chains. He listened. They asked him, you know this hadith? I don't know it. Next one, I don't know it. 10. The next one, 10. 10, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100. So 100 hadiths he doesn't know. Then everyone's like, what does this guy know? He doesn't know anything. La adri, la adri, la adri, la adri. So, the firqa la adriya, no. He doesn't know anything. So then what happened is, Allah Akbar, then, uh, then he said, you know what? If you allow me, I want to clarify one thing. All of the, these hadith that you mentioned, he narrated them all back with the wrong chains. He said, I don't know these, but I do know these. And he narrated all of them with the correct sanat. Back to Rasulullah wasallam, And he said, these are the ones I know. The hundred correct versions. So he had multiple sanads to the uh, same text. And he narrates uh, them each time differently and he proves a different point each time from the hadith. And that is the, one of the primary roles of the teacher of Bukhari is he connects the hadith to the chapter heading. Sometimes it's very explicit, sometimes very implicit. It's, uh, uh, it's like very clear and obvious, sometimes it's not so obvious. So you have a chapter to prove something and then the hadith is like, wait a second, how does this hadith prove his point? Then you have to dig deeper and deeper and deeper and then you find that link. You say, oh, this is how he proved the point from the hadith. That's the, that's the genius of Imam Bukhari. Imam Muslim, you've heard of Bukhari and then Muslim. Imam Muslim was so humble, so humble. He said that, I don't even have the right and authority to make any comment that this hadith means this. You know, we come up and say, hey, my opinion is this hadith means this and my opinion is this is what Allah says. Imam Muslim said, I don't even want to make any, uh, any call. I don't want to make a call. Al-Fuqaha wa hum a'lamu bi ma'ani al-Hadith, as Imam Tirmizi mentions. 
Fuqaha, they know the meaning of a hadith. I'm just a muhaddith. That was his humbleness. So guess what? The entire Sahih Muslim, the original Sahih Muslim, there's not a single chapter heading. Imam Muslim in Hajjaj and Nishapuri, rahimullah, did not put a single chapter heading. The chapter headings that are, then you'll say, wait a second, if you open a Muslim, it says chapter on wudu, chapter, it's, it's, it's actually the most organized book, ironically. The people, they were uh, debating with me between Bukhari and Muslim, which one do you prefer? Which one is the best one? You know, like people nowadays are debating, you know, who's the goat, right? <laughs> the goat, uh, the, <laughs> not Zabiya goat, Qurbani goat. This is I'm talking to the youth. Na'udhu Michael Jordan or LeBron James? Who's the greatest of all time? So there are two opinions. Here, the guy, he's asking, which one? Is Bukhari or Muslim? Which one is the better? So he said, لَقَدْ فَاقَ الْبُخَارِيُ سِحَّةً When it comes to authentic sanad, Bukhari is the, is the most sahih. كَمَا فَاقَ فِي حُسْنِ الصَّنَاعَةِ مُسْلِمُ But when it comes to organization of the hadith in the most beautiful manner, Muslim is the most organized book of the hadith. Even more than Bukhari. But there's no chapter headings. That's so marvelous. If you open the book and you see the chapter headings, that's actually centuries later, Imam Nawawi when he was doing his sharah, commentary of Sahih Muslim, then he made the chapter headings. This is the level of his ihtiyat and his being careful. So those chapter headings, chapter on so and so point, chapter on so and so point, whose are they? Imam Nawawi's. So Imam Bukhari brings this hadith seven times. I said, I'm going to do two slides, I'm going to end it at this slide. Uh, we'll do the next slide later. The first teacher he narrated from is Al-Humaydi. See, when you go back, it says, Haddathana Al-Humaydiyu. Let me show the cursor. See, Al-Humaydiyu. Uh, and whose name is extracted from the root word Hamd. From Hamd you get Humaydi. Which is praise. Like our Nabi Wasallam is Ahmadu and Muhammadu. Both come from Hamd. وَمُبَشِّرًا بِرَسُولٍ يَأْتِي مِنْ بَعْدِ اسْمُهُ Ahmad. Isa alayhi salam, Surah Al-Saf. He says that I am giving the glad tidings when Nabi will come after me. His name is Ahmad. So Ahmad and Muhammad both come from Hamd, praise. Ahmad is the one who praises Allah the most. Who praises Allah the most in the best way? Nabi In this dunya and also on the Yawm Al-Qiyamah. You'll make that sajda and you'll praise Allah like no one has ever praised him for the Shafa'at Al-Kubra. And who is the most deserving of praise from the creation? Rasulullah Muhammad. So Muhammad is the one who is praised. On the receiving end, we are praising him. After Allah, the one who is praised the most is Muhammad. And the one who is praising Allah the most is Ahmad. So we have Humaydi from Hamd praise. The final hadith in the book begins with the narrator Ahmad. It's from the same root word. فَلِلَّهِ الْحَمْدُ أَوَّلًا وَآخِرًا أَخِرًا Oh, that sounds good. End. So we started off, we said Alhamdulillah. I said, what did I say? Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. When I started, and we always say that. Every important matter that does not begin with Bismillah, does not begin with Alhamdulillah, it is incomplete, deficient. And it is what we end with. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. That's the last thing we say. Subhana Rabbika Rabbil Izzati Amma Yasifoon. وَسَلَامٌ عَلَى الْمُرْسَلِينَ Then, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. So, Alhamdulillah, awalan, 
Whenever we start any khutbah, any, uh, any whenever the ulama, any book, first thing is always going to be Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. For sure, hundred percent. There's no doubt on it. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Then wassalatu wassalam, whatever the particular way he adopts. Wassalatu wassalamu ala khatim al-anbiya wal-mursaleen or Sayyid al-awwalin wal-akhirin or rahmatan lil-alamin. Any title. But there's always hamd in the beginning. And there's always hamd in the end. So the book begins with uh, Imam Bukhari starts with Humaydi and his narration is teacher Humaydi and he ends with Ahmad falillahi alhamdu awwalan wa akhiran wa akhir da'wana Oh my God wa akhir da'wana This is based on the ayah In Jannah as well when they're speaking Allah Ta'ala says wa akhir da'wahum The last thing they end their meeting with and their dars with wa akhir da'wahum and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the reality of this So it worked out we ended on this slide and we'll continue next slides inshallah jazakumullah khairan let us make a brief dua bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen allahumma salli ala sayyidina muhammad wa ala sayyidina muhammad wa barik wa sallam allahumma barik ala muhammad wa ala muhammad wa barik wa sallam allahumma allimna ma yanfa'una allahumma allimna ma yanfa'una allahumma allimna ma yanfa'una wa anfa'na bima allamtana wa sidna ilma اللهم إنا نسألك علما نافعا وعملا متقبلا ورزقا حلالا واسعا وشفاء من كل داء اللهم إنا نعوذ بك من علم لا ينفع ومن قلب لا يخشع ومن نفس لا تشبع ومن دعاء لا يسمع اللهم إنا نعوذ بك من هؤلاء الأربع اللهم حبب لنا الإيمان وزينه في قلوبنا وكره لنا الكفر والفسوق والعسيان اللهم اجعلنا من الراشدين اللهم اجعل اجتماعنا هذا اجتماعا مرحوما واجعل تفرقنا بعده تفرقا معصوما ولا تدع فينا ولا منا ولا معنا شقيا ولا محروما سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون سلام على المرسلين الحمد لله